Welcome to Hymn Talk, a discussion of hymns, music, and singing in the life of the church. I'm Zach DePrima, and with me is my brother, Al DePrima. Al, how you doing? <laughs> uh, I don't really answer to that name. I think it's a good time to rebrand. No. Start going so, by Al. No, it'd probably never be a good time to rebrand, but maybe, uh, maybe when I'm an old man, Al sounds a little bit better, but not... I'm uh, here not with my brother, Alex. Alex, how are you doing? You know, my, a lot of people don't know this. My name is actually Alexander. Hmm. And I could forget that's my name because hmm. I, I never write it down, never called by that. So it's not Alejandro. No. It's an Alex. Alexander. Alex, at Emmanuel Church, we hold to the abstract of principles as our confession. And in that confession, there's an article on providence, hmm. on God's providence. And it says, God from eternity decrees or permits all things that come to pass and perpetually upholds, directs, and governs all creatures and all events, yet so as not in any wise to be the author or approver of sin, nor to destroy the free will and responsibility of intelligent creatures. So, Alex, what's that definition mean in layman's terms? Well, um, I I think it's almost already really in layman's terms. I mean, very direct and straightforward and clear, I think. The, the, the basic point I want to say in a Christianity 101 class on God's providence is that everything that happens in the world, everything that happens in your life, everything that has happened in human history is, uh, is ordained by God himself. Hmm. God is the writer of human history. God's the writer of your life. Everything that comes to pass is by his sovereign decree. And um, I appreciate, you know, the confession says um, he, he decrees or permits. Hmm. I don't think the framers of that confession are trying to say, uh, whichever one you choose. <laughs> right. Maybe you like to talk about God decreeing things that happen or just or just permitting things that happen. Mm-hmm. I think they're trying to be fair to the way the scripture in different ways characterizes mm-hmm. God's relationship to history. Sometimes there are passages that would speak of God directly decreeing or ordaining something or even directly bringing something about. And well, the abstract would have been based heavily from the Westminster in the 1689, mm-hmm. yes. and I believe that those confessions say the Lord God permits whatsoever comes to pass. That's Is that true. correct? I believe that's true. I'd have to check. Um, but they also recognize in some cases, God seems to speak as though he's, he's allowing things, he's permitting things. There's not a contradiction in those ideas. They're not mm-hmm. mutually exclusive ideas. It's just trying to be fair to that language. And then, yeah, I, I guess the point I'd want to make to folks is that the fact that God is totally sovereign in providence, that everything is brought about by his ordinance and his decree, uh, it doesn't, um, that is not um, c- contradictory to the idea that we have um, a responsibility for our actions and our choices, that rather these two realities are taught, that God is sovereign in, in providence, um, and yet we're not robots, we have agency, hmm. Uh, we are responsible for our choices, and these two realities coexist. If there is any degree of tension, that's that's um, evidence of our finitude and inability to understand what's going on, um, but not evidence of uh, an actual contradiction in the the mind or hmm. or work what are of God. some what are some basic biblical texts that come to your mind when, when we were thinking about God's providence that you think just every Christian writ large should, should understand and, and and know off the top of their head that conveys God's providence over all things. Yeah. 
Well, um, there would be lots of examples, obviously, of God speaking of of bringing events to pass, mm. uh, so and, and well known ones like um, what is it, Genesis fifty? Is that where God says that, that to Joseph about Joseph's brothers, you, you meant this for evil? but I intended it for good. Well, Joseph says that to his brothers. Yes, yeah. uh, but yeah. God intended it for good. Yeah. That's right, of course. That the brothers intended these events for evil. God intended them. Apparently, he was orchestrating the events. Right. Romans eight twenty eight would be the most well-known. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Um, there's lots of statements in the Psalms that would indicate that God is over creation, over the waters, over the world. Hmm. Um yeah, so those are some of the well-known yeah. things. Yeah, I can't remember the exact text. I remember, but I know of a, a verse in the Proverbs that speaks of the, the lot being cast. Mm. This idea of one of the most random things that happens. It, it doesn't yes. it doesn't uh, land in its place without the Lord's will, yeah. without him having decreed that from, from that's, before. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, And, and if you're talking about soteriology, right. God's sovereignty and salvation— that's when you get into texts like Romans 9 and mm-hmm. Ephesians 1 and God orchestrating all these events, um, you know, and uh, including election. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in, in Christian experience, Alex, what, why do you think it's so hard for, for us to comprehend, maybe comprehend's not the best word, but, but hold in tension those ideas of, of God's providence, his, his sovereignty, and human agency? And our own responsibility and, and actual moral culpability uh, ascribed to individuals. Why is it important to hold those things in tension? Yeah. And why is it so challenging? Well, because those ideas are somewhat in tension, right? Hmm. How can it be true, on the one hand, that God is orchestrating all the events of this life and even directing human actions, decreeing human actions? So if I, if I um, um, take a sip of water right now, we would say, I chose to take a sip of water. I made a free choice to do that. Um, and at the same time, God decreed it before the foundation of the world. But does that make me a robot? Does that make me... It's not It's not hard. I mean, I, I think a thoughtful 12-year-old could arrive at the seeming tension between those two doctrines. Hmm. And I, I just say, yeah, I see the tension. There, you can use this language if you want. I mean, some people like the language of, of speaking about an apparent contradiction. Mm-hmm. These things appear to be in conflict with mm-hmm. each other. Um, I don't think, I'm not impressed or persuaded by efforts logically to explain away that tension. I think the tension's there. Mm. I just think what, what the reason human beings like you and I, uh, you and me, detect tension there is not because of any flaw in God or any mm. lack of coherence in God. Mm-hmm. It's because of flaws in me, mm. a lack of coherence in me, just as a human being. There's a finiteness to me. There's there's problems with my head, my brain, my way of seeing the world that limit me. Mm. There will naturally be, thi- be things that are in the scriptures and things that go on in the world that ultimately don't make sense to me. Mm. I can't, can't pin the tail on that donkey. You know, yeah. I can't... I can't uh, tell you precisely how those two doctrines cohere together, but I believe they're both taught in the Bible. I believe at one point it'll all make sense mm. to me. And um, that's not to minimize rational attempts at trying to ease the tension. I'm just saying I'm not, I don't find most of them persuasive. Right, right. I find it much better to say I'm totally depraved and sin has impaired my ability to understand the truth perfectly. And whatever God says is right, whatever's in his word is true. Yeah, it's helpful to acknowledge the, the, uh, the gap between us and God. 
just yeah. just in comprehension, understanding, knowledge. Yeah. Uh, I was helped by your preaching from Habakkuk a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Habakkuk, in the context of the judgment of Judah, is quite distressed by calamity mm-hmm. and the suffering of God's people. And I'm going to butcher the quote, but 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 the Lord says something to Habakkuk. Of, I, I can tell you these things, but but they wouldn't make sense to you. Yeah, you wouldn't. Under, yeah, that that I'm doing a thing that even if I told you, you wouldn't understand. Yeah, like like even if I explained what was going on. Yeah, and and that's that's a very good good example. And I've used the analogy. Um, our people here are probably tired of hearing it at Emmanuel, but but the analogy of the the, the distance that exists between a father and mm. his infant child. Mm-hmm. And the lack of understanding that child must have. And then I just posit the question, what is greater, the distance between God and us or me and my, say, two-year-old son? And, and I think there's a corrective in that for those of us who act as though, no, I could totally understand everything about God and everything right. about, I could exhaustively comprehend everything uh, uh, that, is, that is revealed in the Bible. And um, I think there's a corrective in that. No, you can't. I mean, there is a distance. I mean, there are secret things that belong to the Lord. We should expect to run into situations where, you know, I can't entirely comprehend mm. what exactly this means. It's revealed to me. I mm. know it to be true, even though I can't comprehend everything about it. I was so helped. Uh, 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 Robert Fisher uh, filled our pulpit a couple of weeks ago and preached. Um, and he's talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And he yes. made this point, how mystical right. the ministry of the Holy Spirit is. And he was saying, it's probably impossible that any of us could really totally understand and put together everything that's revealed about the Holy Spirit in the Bible. But it doesn't mean we can't believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, We don't have to grasp it in all of its fullness mm. and all of its measured coherence in order to actually embrace it and believe it. And I think there's a number of things like that. In the Bible. And God's providence as it relates to our actions is one of those things. This is a podcast directed towards congregational singing. And I just think how that adorns our praise. That that this we worship a wondrous God. A God that that no, we cannot fully comprehend. We cannot, you know, uh, uh, plummet the the depths of God's profundity. We, yeah. we, we'll just never get there. Well, and, and why we don't cease to praise. You, we don't you, cease to worship. You would know this in your studies of hymnody in in ages past or centuries past. Just, I, I bet if you did a word study of the word mystery, mm-hmm. um, you would find that word far more popular mm. in. Uh, 18th and 19th century hymns and you would hymns written in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. There was a greater appreciation for the depths of mystery mm. in God mm. and that being, like you said, a uh, cause for praise or or impulse for praise. Right. Yeah. And right. I, I think we we don't honor God when we try to eliminate all distance mm. between us and him. Yeah, well yeah. said. Well, do you think this this doctrine of God's providence, God's providence, we should promote this doctrine or we should hide from it? Like, do you view this as something that Christians need to be loud and proud celebrating, or is it in some way it can be inconvenient baggage to our faith? Definitely not the latter. Yeah, I don't. I don't find there to be anything inconvenient about the doctrine of God's providence, especially as it was defined in that 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 article from the Confession of Faith. But don't you think some Christians view it that way? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I think um, like if I'm if I'm sh- if I'm sharing the gospel with somebody, uh, I don't want them to to uh, uh, elections not typically the first thing I want to talk about. I'm a little I can be subtly embarrassed by that because I, I don't think I can explain it well enough that they would appreciate it. Yeah. 
Okay, I see what you're saying. So I think I think God's providence that He ordains all things mm-hmm. that come to pass. It's sometimes something we just shy away from, and we don't we don't revel in, we don't celebrate. I suppose context matters. Mm-hmm. In worship, I'd want to be loud and proud about this. Mm. In my conversation with my kids, I want to be really vocal. This is this is one of the most attractive things about the Christian faith because mm-hmm. it assigns a coherence to the universe. Mm. There are no in this view of the world. If you view God's providence in the way it was articulated in that confession of faith and articulated in the Bible, there is no such thing as a random, senseless, meaningless yeah. event yes. in my life or in the world. Hmm. Everything has meaning and coherence because it's being guided by the hand of an intelligent, imminent hmm. creator hmm. who's directing providence according to his plans. Even though I may not understand exactly what he's doing at any given time, I can know this is happening according to plan that is resulting in glory to God and thankfully the salvation of lots of people. Right. So I want I want to sing about that. I want to talk to other Christians about that. I want to talk to my kids about that. I want to remind myself of that throughout my life. But I could see, I wouldn't say it's especially important in an, in, in an, in an initial conversation that's evangelistic to immediately go to the tension that exists between God's providence and human responsibility or hmm. God's decree and mm-hmm. human responsibility. And I've been in that situation where people, I want to talk to them about Jesus Christ and his resurrection, and they want to talk about, well, how do you explain this? Right. And I really think we, we have the right to say, hey, look, that makes no sense at all. That cannot make any sense to you at all until you have reckoned with the person of Jesus. You are asking a 401 question. Hmm. You have to take the 101 class before you can ask that question. Hmm. I, I can't I can't have a meaningful conversation to you about this sort of material and this sort of tension in these two doctrines. That is, an, that is a question for Christians to be talking about, not a skeptic and a Christian. So I want, first things first is what I want to say. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it'll be like that. In like any major field, like mm. if you were asking advanced questions about epidemiology without knowing the first thing about how basic diseases are spread, I'd be like, wouldn't, wouldn't you have the right to say, look, we need to first talk about how diseases are spread before I can answer your very complex question about whatever, you mm. know? That, it's like that with any branch of knowledge, and mm. I think it's like that with the Christian faith. Mm. Do you think it's especially important to weave this doctrine into the singing of the church? And the I, doctrine of God's providence? Yes, and I say especially important because I think there are some doctrines we sing about that it's not especially important that we sing about all the time. Okay. Should we view God's providence as especially important that God's people be reminding each other in sung praise all the time about? All the time. Okay. Uh, yeah, I would be in that category from two angles. We should sing about who God is in almost every degree. Well, what are the attributes of God? What's true of him? One of the things is that he's not just the creator of the world. He's the sustainer of the world. He's sovereign over the world. He's orchestrating events according to his plan, and he should be praised for that. Mm. I don't have references ready, but there are tons of psalms that are praising God for his providential care right. for, for the world. Mm-hmm. And so from that angle, we should be like, this is who God is, and it's wonderful to us. We're going to praise him for it. Also, the way in which his providence relates to the Christian in particular is very important. That's Romans eight twenty eight stuff. Right. And I do think in our worship, we're not just praising God for who he is, but we're praising him also, secondly, for what he means to us. So, so how his person interacts with my experience. Hmm. So God is exalted when, when and honored 
when we talk about what his holiness means to us hmm. or what his providence, what comfort and security it creates for us. Yes. Um, and so I, I think from both those angles, God's providence should be regularly extolled. People need to be thinking all the time about God's providence. Nothing in your life is random. Everything going on today is it's on schedule, part of God's plan, orchestrated by his hand, not the events of your life only, but things going on in the world today, things that were in the news today. We need to constantly reorient ourselves to the truth that this is all God's, uh, according to God's decree. Yeah. And I think it's assumed in that abstract definition that not only does God decree all things, but his decrees are right as the hymn we're about to consider. Yeah. And, And I think that that's so profoundly relevant because you have a diverse group of people gathering on a Sunday morning who have all had hundreds of different experiences in that week. And that truth that what God ordains is right is piercingly relevant to everyone's circumstances. Yes, yes. To that mother who just had a miscarriage, Mm -hmm. to that brother or sister who's struggling with with, uh, national calamity, Mm -hmm. with that brother who's lost a job, Mm -hmm. with that uh, young man who's sh- grappling with the reality that that God lets people go to hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's it's so helpful to know God ordains all things, mm-hmm. and they're right. He's good. Yeah. Is it Genesis eighteen? I want to say. Um, and it might be on the words on, on the tongue of Abimelech who says, "Shall not the Lord of all?" Hmm. No, no, no. Abraham says that. Of course, it's Abraham. Hmm. Shall not the Lord of all do what is right? Hmm. And that, that is, that's, that's the, the Christian response to our observation of God's providence, which means bad things that happen. Yes. I can still say the verdict is, the Lord of all will do right. And that goes beyond just the initial moment. Right. You know, that's a cosmic perspective. Hmm. But God will do all things right, all things well. Hmm. Yeah. How should this doctrine be appropriate to help those in suffering? Uh, well, I'll just speak from my own experience. Um, I haven't suffered as bad as a lot of people, but I have suffered some things in my life that were deeply painful. And it, it, all the time, I don't, I mean, it came to me again and again, God is working these things out. God is in these events. There's things I meant to learn, things I meant to see. Um, and, and it was helpful. I've heard John Piper say this and others say it. At, at any given time, God's doing 10,000 different things. He might just show you one of them. You know, uh, that's so helpful to me to know I don't have to see all the ways in which God is working this out for my good or the good of others or to advance his purposes. But I must know in my suffering, I mean, that's when, that's when this doctrine, that's, that's when, uh, uh, the rubber, that's where the rubber meets the road that in those events themselves, Hmm. in the groaning and the struggle and the suffering and the pain, God is working for the good of his people. Hmm. God is the one. Who is who is accomplishing his purposes, hmm. and um, there are times, there have been times in my life, and I've seen this in the lives of other Christians, where that's all you got. Yeah, because you see no way out. This trial, this this measure of suffering, makes no coherent sense to you, and it is so painful, and it's so it's so in your face, and you just sort of collapse into. Shall not the Lord of all do what is right? Hmm. God, you are orchestrating your plans in my life. You're hmm. working for my good. You've promised that in your word. I cannot see that at all, but I embrace it by faith because you have revealed yourself to me as the God who decrees and ordains whatsoever comes to pass. And hmm. that for Christians, that's working out for their ultimate good and the glory of Christ. 
And sometimes that's all you have. Yeah, it does seem that this is a doctrine that that's ordinarily appropriated, appropriated and used to bless God's people. Hmm. It's used as a, a in the Bible you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's used as yeah. a salve. It's used as a, a uh, you know, to, to bring healing to us. And now I say I think there are points, there are examples in Scripture where you see even the Lord Himself speak of His sovereignty and his own decree and his wisdom in a way to humble us. Well, you mentioned Habakkuk a moment ago. Habakkuk, I think He, he makes that point again and again as Habakkuk is all perplexed about what's going mm-hmm. on in the world. God, in the most overt terms, says, what do you think? I'm asleep at the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm orchestrating all these events. And yeah, it looks like Babylon's going to get away with this. Yeah, no. Yeah. You know, I have a plan. It's all according to schedule. And he even says in that, that verse you mentioned earlier from Habakkuk, he says, uh, the answer is coming. Hmm. Uh, wait for it. It will not delay. Hmm. In other words, I have the reminder set on my phone. I have the clock set. <laughs> the judgment is coming on Babylon. It'll not be any longer than I intend it to be, yeah. or any shorter than I intend it to be. Yeah. But but you would you would agree though? It, it, this doctrine, as it's used in Scripture, is ordinarily to encourage God's people. Yeah. I, well. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. I think that's important, Alex, just because. This is sometimes, I think, sadly, a doctrine that's maybe pastors, some Christian leaders use as a club to, to sort of beat down their people. Like in uh, what way? You know, that per- a person struggling with suffering, God's sovereign, what he ordains is right, you got to submit to it. Oh, yeah, you know? have, a, have kind of a stiff upper lip. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I think they sometimes miss the reason, the, the, the ways in which this truth is so often revealed in Scripture. Yeah. Well, well, Romans eight twenty eight is a good example. It's mm-hmm. in the context of the creation groaning, the children of God are groaning. They don't know what to even pray for, so the spirit is groaning with groans that can't be uttered. But we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Hmm. Uh, uh, Paul in Romans seven just got done talking about all the sin that's present hmm. in his life, and now it's all this suffering around us and in our lives. But God's working for good. It comes as a, as a balm. So I, I think that's a, a very, very good observation. Well, Alex, I want to shift our discussion to the hymn of the week, and that hymn is Whate'er My God Ordains Is Right. And this is a hymn by a man named Samuel Radagast. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. I think Radagast is a <laughs> wizard friend of Gandalf. Um, but this is Radagast, Samuel Radagast. He lived in the 17th century. And this hymn was, was translated in the 19th century by Catherine Winkworth. You know, it's kind of an underrated ministry in the church, but there were some there were some godly people, some diligent people that learned languages and found French, German hymns and translated them into English to serve God's people. So Catherine, this isn't uh, her only hymn. She she translated hundreds of hymns from German to English. One of her one of those hymns that I, I bless God for is the hymn Praise the Lord the Almighty, which is the last hymn we discussed. But Samuel, Samuel Radagast, lived from 1649 to 1708, and he spent most of his life as a German teacher and hymn writer. He served in various institutions in Germany. He served as vice rector and rector of a prominent institution at one point. He's most remembered these days for his hymn, What Ere My God Ordains Is Right, which is the English translation. The German is, Was Gott tut das ist Wachalwalden, which is translated, What God Does, This Is Done Well. It's believed that he wrote this hymn to actually uh, console a friend who was dying. But the, the hymn went on to be quite prominent in the German world. 
In fact, Frederick William III of Prussia, this hymn was, was used at his funeral when he died. <laughs> what I found interesting, Alex, and this kind of goes back to our conversation uh, throughout this podcast, is uh, this hymn was actually both widely accepted in both Catholic and Protestant contexts. So you can find this hymn in Catholic uh, hymnals as well as Protestant hymnals in Germany. On that point, totally random aside, um, you know, I'm I'm a Protestant, I'm Reformed, I'm a Baptist, got lots of agreements with Catholic Catholics, um, but Catholics historically are actually not that bad on the doctrine of God's providence. Mm-hmm. A lot of the greatest work historically that has been done in this doctrine has been done by Roman Catholics. It's actually interesting. Even Muslims are pretty strong on no. God's providence. <laughs> no, I, I'm not joking. I'm no. joking. They, uh, Muslims have a have a saying called, I think it's Inshallah, which is mean whatever God wills. Like yeah, they, they, sure. it's it's kind of built into. Uh, yeah, I, I meant faith. something we can actually more identify with even as Protestants. <laughs> like I, I've read Roman Catholics to my prophet on the yeah. subject of God's providence. Yeah. yeah. The GOAT, the greatest of all time, um, Johann Sebastian Bach, he made several arrangements of this hymn in his lifetime. Hmm, And uh, as its inspiration, Radagast looks at Deuteronomy 32, verse 4 in this hymn, uh, and that verse says, The rock, speaking of the Lord, the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Alex, to our early conversation about Habakkuk, a, a text that also came to my mind is, is Lamentations 3. Uh, it's there that in the context of uh, the judgment of Judah, the lamenter, which some people believe to be the weeping prophet Jeremiah himself, uh, he recounts God's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And he also says, who has spoken and it came to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? Mm-hmm. Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come? And that's sort of the, the vein in which this hymn is written. I'll read the first verse. Whate'er my God ordains is right, his holy will abideth. I will be still whate'er he does, and follow where he guideth. He is my God, though dark my road. He holds me that I shall not fall. And so to him I leave it all. Hmm. And so to him I leave it all. Now, I've almost forgotten to mention this hymn has been, uh, the music has been rewritten in the last few years by Matthew Merker. Mm-hmm. And uh, we appreciate that work of his on his part. And he actually had to change a few of the lyrics. Mm-hmm. But Alex, what are your thoughts uh, generally on this hymn, Whatever My God Ordains Is Right? I was aware of the text of this hymn before Matt Merker wrote his tune. And I, I, I was disappointed that there wasn't a tune that I especially liked. Mm. I love his tune. Mm. And it really has brought this song to life for, for me in a way uh, that it just hadn't in times past. But the text is unbelievable. I mean, it's just, it's so devotionally stirring. Um, it's, it's hard to sing these words for me personally and, and keep it together. Mm. Because I, I feel, I felt at times in my life so connected to the sentiments of this song hmm. that that I could not pen words more uh, uh, closer to my own personal experience hmm. than the text of, of this song uh, this song and uh, so I'm very thankful to um, to Mr. Rodegast and I'm, I'm very thankful to Matt Merker as well Alex is there a line or verse in this hymn that you find to be particularly stirring uh, I find I find literally every line to be stirring I, I'm not I'm not trying to gush uh, over this song, um, but I, I especially like it would be the second half of the second verse. I take content what he has sent. His hand can turn my griefs away, and patiently I wait his day. Patiently I wait his day. 
um, I think I think um, receiving the the um, the sort of difficult and challenging providences from God with a sort of contentedness and composure mm. is um, is lost on a lot of us. Mm. And I think I think I think it's a mark of maturity, a mark of godliness to to develop you know what 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 um burroughs called the rare jewel of christian right. contentment right. that idea that that these providences come and though they're dark and though they're painful i receive them from the hand of a good god who i know is able to turn my griefs away and i, I can wait on the lord i can wait for god to bring about his purposes and his plans in my heart and in my life hmm. and um and then of course can wait for the consummation or every tear will be wiped away and hmm. and, and all of that hmm. so a profoundly moving song and i think it's the sort of song we need to sing in churches yeah. it, it's a it's a there's a realism to the song this song describes i'm telling you i um i haven't had a ton of conversations with members this particular week maybe a dozen or so but um I guarantee you, if we say, we're not singing the song this Sunday, but if we did, it would express very much precisely where I'd say, I don't know, at least 50% of the people in the room are at hmm. on that given week where mm-hmm. they'd say, look, right now, with what happened yesterday, hmm. with what's happening tomorrow, this describes where I'm at. Hmm. And um, I, I think it's important for, for, for song leaders and pastors to consider and there are certain songs we sing that are just, we should always sing. And there are certain songs that are more topical and related to certain circumstances that we need to make sure we can sing. And right. this, is, this is one such song, which borders on sort of, it's a little bit of a lament element to it, but a sort of perseverance of the saints, persevere through trial and hardship kind of motif to it. Hmm. And, and that's so often where we, where we are as Christians. Well, friends, with that, we're out of time. Alex, thank you for your time.